This is FemPower Health. Each week, top women's health experts dispel fact from fiction. The most important pelvic floor exercise is not the Kegel. Challenge the status quo. It's never easy to challenge the accepted leaders, and especially if you're a woman. Provide perspective on why your healthcare journey may be so tough. All of that fear and worry, it all upregulates our nervous system, puts us into fight or flight mode, and increases our pain sensitivity. And what you can do about it. The number one thing is you have to advocate for yourself, and you have to be prepared. Your journey to get empowered starts now. In today's episode, I interview Dr. Mindy Pels. She is a sought-after pioneer in the fasting movement, teaching the principles of a fasting lifestyle, diet variation, detox, hormones, and more. And today, we specifically talk about how to safely incorporate fasting and how to adapt it based on where you are in your menstrual cycle, as well as your phase of life. So for example, your reproductive years, perimenopause, and menopause. And I'm really excited to have this episode because last week I spoke with Dr. Lara Bryden specifically about perimenopause. And in her book, Hormone Repair Manual, we did talk about intermittent fasting, but we weren't able to get to it. So the details are here for you today. Before we dive in, a couple of quick things. One, if you do love this episode, please do rate it and write a review because that's how we can make sure this gets at the top of the list for other women to be able to access such helpful information. Additionally, the podcasts tend to be filled with such great information, but there's even more to discuss. So I do post incredible tips and tricks on my Instagram feed as well as other social media outlets. So please do follow me at FemPower Health. And without further ado, let's hear from Dr. Mindy. We have two energy systems, two systems in our body that we get, we will get energy from. One is called a sugar burner. The other one's called a fat burner. Now, when I say sugar burner, I don't mean like you, you're burning energy from your Snickers bar. I'm just saying that you have this system that when you're eating all day long, you are going to access uh, your ener- that energy source. The challenge is, is that when we're eating all day long, so we can sit and debate vegetarian, we can debate carnivore, we can debate all the food principles, but we're still staying in the sugar burner camp. We have to get over and start to teach people how to do the fat burner energy system and fasting is how you get there. So the analogy I always use is in the cave, we'll say cave woman days, we came out of the cave in our primitive state and we didn't have refrigeration. We didn't have a pantry. We just looked around and we were like, we got to go find some food. So we would go out and hunt food, whether it was berries or the hunt an animal. And what would happen is in that process, the longer we went without food, the more amazing healing mechanisms kicked in. So in order to go hunt for food, we had to have energy. We had to have brain clarity. We had to be able to run fast because especially if we're going to go hunting. So we created, when we go into this fat burning place, we tap into something called ketones and ketones like make us limitless. They give us this insane mental capability, this insane uh, energetic capability. They, you are now burning energy from fat. So what, why fasting, why I like to start with that is fasting is our way of tapping into this fat burner energy source, because this is how we are literally designed to be. 
Got it. And the sugar part you're saying where that's like, how does that fit in or how, why should we not well, be looking at it or how do we? Yeah. Yeah. So if, if let's just take intermittent fasting for a second. Um, if you go 13 to 15 hours without food, um, in that 13 to 15 hours, you are training your body to operate in this fat burner. Then you eat. Now you're back into sugar burner. Okay. Okay. Then you go again back to, to, to fat burner in the 13 to 15 hours. So this is called metabolic switching. Okay. And this is how we are programmed to be, is to go in and out of these two different states. So you're not meant to be a fat burner all the time either. You're meant to go in and out. So then describe what intermittent fasting is, because I'd also be curious. So I guess when you describe it too, I'm also even thinking, because I'm just so interested, I like to dive into every single detail. So forgive me, is just like <laughs> how the type of diet you eat too impacts it. Mm. So there's the intermittent fasting from what I understand, even kind of what you were alluding to just now is time without food, but then there's what you do while you're eating as well. So I'd love to get your thoughts on that. Yeah. So, you know, I think the best way to answer that is to say, okay, well, how do you start intermittent fasting? Yep. And the trick is you got to stabilize your blood sugar. Okay. So how are we going to get your, your blood sugar to stabilize? Um, well, you got to take out the refined carbohydrates. You got to take out the refined sugars and you got to start eating the right oils. Those that that's like the easiest, easiest thing to start with. And so once you start to get your blood sugar more stable, now you tack on 13 to 15 hours of fasting and you're doing great. There are, you know, since fasting has become this hot trend, what's happening is a lot of people are like, well, I'll just fast 17 hours, I'll fast 24 hours. And then when I eat, I'll just eat whatever I want. Ooh. Well, yeah, we call that dirty fasting or dirty keto. And I'm, it's, I don't advocate that because you're still, it'd be like, uh, you're like building disease and then you're trying to heal the body and then build disease and then heal the body. And that's not what we're, what I advocate for, but we do, if you are a vegan, just tack on some fasting. If you if you love the carnivore diet, tack on fasting. If you love, you know, whatever your diet is, let's just start training people to tack on fasting. And then when, on the sugar burner diet piece of this, I really encourage people to have some type of food value system for themselves. Like, what is it that you are comfortable with? Like for me, I won't, you won't find me in a McDonald's. You won't find me, you know, eating a tub of ice cream at night because my food value system is to eat good, wholesome food. And then I tack my fasting lifestyle onto that. Right. But what I'm hearing you say is you can't necessarily go from eating McDonald's all day to then fasting for a period of time. That's not necessarily good for you. Yeah, you, you could try if you want. It, it's just going to be a little more difficult. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, like, I would think it would be also painful because even uh, when you're right. doing cleanses, which is, yeah. you know, having, you know, not a lot to eat, you know, there's different variations of the cleanse. That's a whole different topic, yeah. but you know, they even say you have to wean yourself into doing the cleanse. It's not like you, decide you're going to start doing it. So I can definitely see the weaning. And, you know, even with my own experience, I mean, I agree with you about diet having such an impact. Like I ended up, it took three years to figure out I had endometriosis and it all started with, you know, being told I couldn't have gluten or dairy. And from there, the experimentation began. So I've been experimenting for a decade and my wow moment with food was actually trying the AIP diet. Mm. And What's what I do now, and I remember trying to wrap my head around the AIP dikes when I first heard about it. I'm like, wait, what do you eat for breakfast? 
And I now, like today, my first thing this morning was butternut squash soup with homemade Mm. chicken broth. Mm. And because I actually changed that, I'm doing intermittent fasting and didn't realize it because my body, I just, my, like now my body tells me the right thing to do. Whereas before I was craving food all the time because I was not eating what my body wanted. And so it was reactionary eating, eating all day, starving all the time, couldn't fill up like, absolutely. Yeah. And this, it's so interesting because as I've been teaching fasting on, on these public platforms, um, we see all these food debates going on. Like people are really zealots for whatever food they, they are, they are, that's working for them. And I really want to encourage people to find the path that works for them. Agreed. I know like my yoga instructor who I runs my yoga class that I go to every Sunday morning. She is a hardcore vegetarian. She has been for years and it is working for her. Right. But I have other friends who have autoimmune conditions and they're doing carnivore and it is working for them. So I, I love changing. This is what I love probably the most about fasting is we can just say, yeah, everybody, you can do your, do your thing. And then let's tack some fasting onto it. Got it. So why do you think they're considered fad or people are so tied to, do you think that, because what I found is, you know, when something starts to work for you and you've had such troubles and something now works, it's like, wow. And you want to, you're excited and you want to tell everyone about it. And like, I've done this podcast long enough and experimented long enough where I know AIP worked for me. And I know within AIP what works, because then you test and add foods back in. So I know for me what works. And again, to your point, differently for everyone, just given that you're seeing those discussions about the passion, I'm just curious on your perspective, where does it come from? And how should people who are hearing these passionate people talking about their diet, like how should they look at that? And then let's dive deeper into fasting. Yeah, I think what I always tell people is there's a new concept in functional medicine that's emerging that I love. And it's called N of one, you be your own research study. So your path and my path will look completely different. Yet there are certain principles we should all follow. I strongly believe one of those principles is we're made to tap into this other energy source. I also believe we are not made to eat chemicals. So if we're, you know, those to me are basic principles. Outside of that, like, why are we, why do we grab onto these diets and then just want to make all of our friends (laughs) believe it or do whatever path? You know, I think part of that is human nature, especially as women. Um, one of the theories that I love around women in general is that we have a hormonal hierarchy and at the top of the hierarchy is oxytocin. And so oxytocin, when we get good bursts of oxytocin through like great conversations like this and hanging out with other women, then we regulate all the other hormones. And so as women, I think we don't even realize it, but we are hormonally driven to want to share something that's we're passionate about, especially with other women. So now let's talk about intermittent fasting, because I know this is not a, you know, 10 second podcast where it's just don't eat for X amount of hours and then we're done. So, right. so tell us about the dynamics as someone's trying to get into this and learn, like what are the, the, the foundations that people need to understand about what it is and how it works. Yeah. So and why it's beneficial too. I mean, you talked about the yeah. the fat piece to it, but I'm just curious like what like other benefits, because clearly it's not just that holistic piece, but there's probably concrete things that people will notice when they do that. 
Yeah. So the intermittent fasting, I always point people to the most popular meta-analysis that we have. And it was printed in the New England Journal of Medicine, December 2019. And the review, the the article came out and said that they've reviewed 1,500 different peer-reviewed journals. And they have decided, based off of reviewing those journals, that intermittent fasting is good for these certain conditions. And I'll I'll read the conditions. Okay. Obesity diabetes, Alzheimer's, dementia, um, uh, multiple sclerosis, some cancers, they had a list of the different cancers and pre and post surgery. And they said that they can see chemical changes. Now, each one of those is a little different, but they can see chemical changes within the human body when you go 13 to 15 hours without food, that will benefit the healing response for those conditions. So the first thing that I always say when people say it's a fad or why should I do it is I say, go read that. It's a, it was really well written. You, a, a lay person can read it. They actually print out different protocols. Like they talk about all different types of intermittent fasting and they explain why it's so good for those conditions. And it's all based around when you go 13 to 15 hours without food, all of a sudden, as you're moving into this fat burner, you start to bring inflammation down. You start your, when you're going 13 to 15 hours without food, you don't have as much insulin going on. So you become more insulin sensitive and you create something called ketones. Ketones, then your brain needs 50% of it is glucose. It it will live off of glucose. The other 50% will live off of ketones. So when all of a sudden you get this rush of ketones, the brain gobbles up those ketones and it starts to use them to heal neurons. Neurons are these little messenger, think of it like highways in the brain that transmit information. And it heals those highways so that you can think clearer. So this is why it's so good for Alzheimer's and dementia. Uh, Your memory's better, your your longevity increases. So we can see a chemical change. And I I mean, it's the list is long of what happens just at 13 to 15 hours. Uh, Growth hormone, they're seeing growth hormone increase and growth hormone, you need to make testosterone. So it's like a chemical reaction that is shifting and allowing your body to go into this accelerated healing state. This is why to me, 13 to 15 hours, like everybody should be doing it. And then just tack on your other diet. I saw someone that is um, promoting drinking ketones. I haven't researched it enough because when I see things like that, I get a little bit nervous, to be honest with you. Um, I've become whole foods is the best, are are the best foods. I'll give you an example. Yeah. Yeah. So like, yeah, tell me about this drinking ketones because I mean, someone might say, well, this is just faster. Oh God, I have so many thoughts on this. Okay. So (laughs) it's called, it's called exogenous ketones. And um, it, people, for there was a trend when fasting came out. There were several companies that I won't, I won't name, but they came out with these exogenous ketones and were like, well, why suffer for ketones? Why don't you just grab yourself a glass of them? Well, that wasn't necessarily um, healthy. And it, here's why. Ketones show up when the blood sugar goes down. So when you're fasting, your blood sugar starts to go down and then that creates a signal to the liver to make ketones. So if I put ketones in from the outside and my blood sugar is still high, we have no research 
on what that will do to the human body. That is going against the intelligence, the design of our own body. So that alone makes me very nervous. The second thing that I'll say is that we also know that ketones are a sign that you're burning fat. It's a signal that you're burning fat. So, well, if you put it in from the outside, it doesn't mean the ketone is going to burn the fat. The ketone is what signals you are burning fat. Do you see the little, the difference there? So it's totally against the intelligence of the body. Now, where would we use them? Because we know ketones are very reparative to the brain. Right. Um, I, people who are in little longer fasts and maybe they're hungry, ketones will calm down the hunger hormone. So we have people in our groups that 48 hours in, they're trying to go to a three-day water fast and they're hungry. We'll have them take a, a little bit of ketones to see if that will calm the hunger hormone down. Um, I have some uh, people in my community who have aging parents with Alzheimer's. They're not going to be able to fast them, but when, before they, when they get up in the morning, before they eat, give them some ketones to see if that will repair the neurons in the brain. Uh, we've even tried it with autistic kids or kids with learning disabilities. Could we take some of those exogenous ketones and then make sure we're not giving it to them after a big meal? We want their blood sugar to be pretty stable and then give them some ketones so that those ketones can heal. That's where you could use it sensibly. Okay. So how can women apply this? Because you alluded earlier to our cycle Mm -hmm. and also, you know, through the phases of life. And I'm actually reading probably one of the coolest books I've read yet on women's health. And it's all about menopause. And in there, it's talking about using intermittent fasting as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so tell me about I don't know if we want to start with phases of life or if we want to do within yeah. your cycle, because um, you know this area best, but I'd love mm-hmm. to get your perspective on how a woman should look at incorporating this, even just to be healthier. Yeah. I categorize women into three different age groups, under 40, 40 to 55, and then over 55. Okay. So uh, let's start with under 40. If you're under 40, you need to map your fast according to your menstrual cycle. And I'm just, for the sake of this conversation, I'm going to assume you have a normal, you know, 28 to 35 day normal cycle. Cause we get all kinds of questions about like, what if I don't have a cycle and things like that? So (laughs) I'm going to start off with the simple. Um, Here's how it looks. The day you bleed is day one. So the first day like that you actually need some feminine care products. That's also a question we get. What's day one? Day one is the day that you start to to bleed from that day until about, I believe, by the way, that there's six different styles of fasting. So I'm going to just go off of that right now and I'll, I'll explain it. From day one to day 10, your body is making estrogen. And the closer you get to day 10 towards ovulation, you need the more estrogen you need. So it's ramping estrogen up. There are two things you need to make estrogen. You need a healthy brain. So you need your hypothalamus and your pituitary to be healthy and you need to be insulin sensitive. So intermittent fasting, something I called autophagy fasting, even if people wanna go, women wanna go into like a 24 hour fast, deeper fast, the ketogenic diet, low carb, all of that will work really well in that time period from day one to day 10. Now day 11 to day 15 is ovulation. And you've got the, I call it your superpower phase. You've got estrogen, you've got progesterone, you've got testosterone at their max. You don't want to fast a lot then. 
You want to just like, you've already produced the hormones. Intermittent fasting is good. Um, in order to use estrogen, you got to have a healthy gut. So uh, we really recommend you do more of the polyphenol, probiotic, prebiotic foods. If you know the carnivore diet works for you, you would do it during that time. But I don't have women uh, fast longer than 15 hours in that little window. Okay. And as you come out of ovulation, if you're not trying to get pregnant, if you're just normal cycling woman, there's another four day period there where you can fast all you want. You can probably eat whatever you want from about day 16 till about day 19. Now at day 19, this is what messes all women up. This is why all the articles are saying women shouldn't fast because women should not fast from about day 20 until she bleeds again because there is one hormone you need to make in, in, at that time, and that's progesterone. That's right. And progesterone does not do well with stress of any kind. We actually, what, what like blows me away, we shouldn't even be running marathons at that time. We shouldn't be CrossFit at that time. We need to be nurturing ourselves during that time. Self-care is the most important. So I don't recommend fasting from day 20 till you bleed again. Then once you bleed, we're back at day one, boom, we can go into some more fasts. And when you're saying no fasting, like n not even intermittent, just. Yeah. If you're already fat adapted, you've been doing this for a while, you can probably get away with about 13 hours. Um, okay. But no longer than that. So that's, that's women under 40. Okay. 40 to 55, you know, this is perimenopause. This is a tough time. Um, we don't know if our cycles are coming or going. So the first thing I tell women over 40 is start mapping your cycle. Um, and I laugh because here at 51, well, at 47, I went into menopause and I was like, this is really weird. It seems kind of early. And then I came out of menopause applying a lot of these principles. So here I am at 51, not even sure, you know, I'm like my, my cycle's so regular because I've cleaned up so much of my lifestyle at 51. Well, I'm, I'm listening now because I, so I'm reading this book on menopause and my, it was really weird. Like I was having hot flashes and all these yep. things and I've been changing. I think because I've honestly partly just been so busy. Um, and also just because of the way my diet has been, the two of them contributed to me doing intermittent fasting without realizing it. And a lot of those symptoms are Went pretty away. much gone. My yeah. cycle is still very crazy. Yeah. So sorry, yeah. TMI guys, but, um, no, <laughs> but hey, I'm we're talking, to know. yeah, no, I always say like, I mean, I talk cycles all day long. So, and, and I honestly with menopause and this is, I just, my book, the menopause reset is just a quick, simple way to understand five things you can change. And fasting is definitely one of them. But what my menopause journey taught me is we don't talk about this enough. Yeah, I know. We don't, you know, we go into menopause and then as women, we don't talk about it. Why, you know, we should, we're at 51. I'm, you know, next year I'm going to be an empty nester. My son's going off to college. My daughter's already in college. Like I'm stepping into my brilliance. This, I should shine. I shouldn't be feel, having hot flashes and up all night and gaining weight and depressed and anxious. That shouldn't be happening. But yet we have a societal, we accept from our society, from our doctors, from other women, that that's what's supposed to happen. It's not what's I supposed know. to happen. I know. And it, it really makes me sad when I see that. So tell us, I mean, since you're even personally experiencing this and you've wrote it in your incredible book, like tell us, tell us the journey of how you were able to even reset your cycles and, and how women should look at fasting during this phase in their life. Yeah. 
Yeah. So the first thing, if you're under 40, this is, I want to come like tap the 40 year olds on their shoulder and be like, Hey, you're going to have to change it after 40. Yeah. So we have to remember that from 40 to about 55, your ovaries are slowly winding down. They're like, I'm done. I'm just going to take about a 10 to 15 year exit. And um, in that winding down, they have to hand over the production of sex hormones to another organ. So your ovaries make estrogen, progesterone, testosterone. They have to hand that over. So they hand it over to your adrenal glands. If you are a stressed out 40-year-old, 43-year-old, which is what I was, yes, I was, at, I was the stressed out 43-year-old. Um, it's what you used to be able to get away with stress in your, at 33, you will not get away with at 43 and 45 because your adrenals are not only making epinephrine, norepinephrine, and cortisol, but now they have to make estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone. So if you don't mind those adrenals, then what will end up happening is those sex hormones get out of whack and now you have a hot flash. Now you're not sleeping. Now you're anxious. Now you're irritable. So what fasting does over 40 is that if you do it right, you don't, you know, not these long fasts, but let's go back to intermittent fasting. You map it out to your cycle when it comes, like I mentioned before, you are actually making, you're providing, um, a, you're, you're balancing stress for the human body. You are balancing insulin because insulin controls those sex hormones as well. And you've taken one of the major stressors off of the plate and now your body can produce those hormones. So, and then the four other things that I tell people, by the way, I'll just throw that out is you got to work on your diet and I have, yep. And then you've got to work on your microbiome. You, I, I didn't realize till I was 47 that I had a whole set of bacteria that break down estrogen. Well, between 40 and 45, our estrogen's doing this. Some days we have too much, some days we don't have any at all. And it's on a wild ride. Well, estrogen, so now let's say you're using bioidenticals or using, you're doing HRT. Um, you, you can't, just because you're supplementing estrogen in doesn't mean you're using estrogen. Just because you have a hormone doesn't mean you use a hormone. And the microbiome breaks that estrogen down so it can get into the cell and it can be used. And that is like a, a topic nobody's talking about, or I wish more people, let's put it that way, would talk about. Right. And, the, and then the um, detox, a lot of, um, as these hormonal shifts happen from 40 to 55, a lot of toxins are stored in our bones and in our tissues and in our fat. And so as those hormones go on this wild ride, it signals for these hormones to come out. And toxins that may have not affected us at 35 now start affecting us at 45. There are three parts of the brain that are not protected by a blood-brain barrier, and those are the parts that control hormones. So we see like lead, mercury are the two biggies that will come out of tissues, go up into the brain, and now they throw your, you know, all your hormones off even more. And that so de- toxins become so important. Everything from what you put on your skin to you know your laundry soap to the mold that might be in your house that you needed to deal with to you know the amalgam filling that's in your mouth. Those kind of things start to rear their ugly head as you go through menopause. So I always tell people, let's start by just don't put the toxins in. Let's just be mindful of the toxins. And then the fifth one, and then I'll pass it back to you, is what I call rushing woman syndrome. We just, we got to chill out. 
I know, I know. I know. And I, and I'm a rushing woman. So I'm with you. I just, I just took a transcendental meditation class. Perfect. Transformative. I feel like they should call it transformative meditation. It's so good. I love it. So it's, so it's, you know, it's lifestyle. And if you take those five things and you shift them from 40 to 55, not only will your menopausal journey be uh, a much more, uh, much smoother and healthier, you won't have to do the bioidenticals, you won't have to do the HRT, but you know, breast cancer, ovarian cancer, cardiovascular disease happens post-menopause. So my, my passion is let's help women over 40 figure out this lifestyle change so we don't have to have those diseases that 60, 70, 80 year old women are getting. And the reason they're getting it is because they didn't shift it. I, I, I've heard so many women in their 60s who still have their menopause symptoms. That's one of the things that I've been learning is if you don't start taking care of yourself early, it rears its ugly head even yep. once you hit menopause. I'm even noticing personally that I agree with you. I feel like once you hit this age of perimenopause, the things in life that you used to be able to get away with when you were younger really do hit. And I think, you know, people like as I was growing up would say things like, oh, I'm tired. Like, you know, I've even joked, I used to come to New York City at 10 o'clock at night on a Friday and go home at four in the morning. And now I'm in bed at 10. Um, But it's, it's, it's actually much deeper than that. Mm -hmm. You know, what time I go to bed. Um, if I drink wine, when I drink wine, you know, the type of food I'm eating, the amount of exercise, even the type of exercise, like now this week, my body's been craving yoga, you know, another week it's craving a hit exercise. I mean, it's, it's so interesting. Your body at this age, like is so loud about what it needs. And if you don't listen, like you're right, these are the impacts. I mean, it's, I see it myself. I see it myself. Yeah. I used to, at 40, I was like, I would take my Sunday mornings. I go on a two hour run. Now I do an hour yoga class. Like I don't, I don't go, I never go on a two hour run anymore. Um, And this is where fasting can come in because fasting will really help you keep your weight where you want it to be. So those of you that are like, oh, but won't I gain weight if I do yoga instead of my HIIT training or my, my, um, you know, my extreme workout. Well, what I love about fasting is your, your weight starts to just be where you want it to be effortlessly. Absolutely. Abs- without a doubt. And that yeah. is another thing that like another thing people accept is, oh, I'm going to get older. I can't lose weight. It's hard. I, I agree with you. It's, it's yeah. taking care of yourself. So, so you talked about the benefits of it. How does one do it during this phase in life? Because I, I've seen on your website, I'm just trying to put it, the pieces together mm-hmm. of how like people can fast for long periods. You have these incredible Facebook groups where people share what they're doing. Um, so tell us about in this phase in life, how do you do it? Is it just intermittent fasting? How does yeah. that work? So same as the person under, the woman under 40, you want to track your cycle. It's just, okay. you may have some 60 day cycles and you might have some 15 day cycles. So, you know, understanding where your cycle is, is, is important. Um, I think for the most important for the perimenopausal woman is progesterone. Uh, you really like for, for her, I almost would tell her, you know, no fasting that week before the cycle's coming. And if you don't know when your cycle's coming, you're going to need to make, you need to clue in on a few things. One, if you're getting spotting. So all of a sudden now you start spotting and then two weeks later you have your period 
in that time period, that is progesterone knocking on your door. So lean into some foods like I loved your butternut squash with chicken broth. Lean into the squashes, lean into the potatoes, lean into beans if that works for you, tropical fruits, uh, citrus fruits. These are foods that build progesterone. So don't lean when you start spotting and you're waiting, 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 that you shouldn't don't fast. You should be building up progesterone. So that would be the first thing to note. The other thing to clue in for women in those years is the anxiety. So anxiety really kicks in as progesterone goes down. And so when progesterone goes down or when you're feeling anxious, again, same thing. You want to make sure that you're not throwing a, a longer than 15-hour fast in the, those anxious periods because that's progesterone knocking at your door. But otherwise, you can do really well intermittent fasting. If that's all you want to do, that's great. If you want to do a three-day water fast, if you want to do a 24-hour fast, which helps with gut repair, if you want to do autophagy fasting, which helps, which is 17 hours and helps you detox, all of that needs to be done at the first half of your cycle. So the Got minute it. you start to bleed, you have to be really sensitive to not over, you know, do it in the front half. And then as you get, you know, 15 to 16 days after that first bleed, you want to really mind you're not doing too much. Okay. No, that helps because, you know, when you were talking about track your cycles, I'm like, track how? Because right. like, I, I don't get intermittent. I don't get spotting. I get nothing. It's just yeah. like, and then I even get cramps where I'm like, maybe I'm going to get my yes. period and then yes. nothing happens. And so that would be the time cramping, okay. anxiety, spotting, and uh, I think of uh, hot flashes sometimes are a little more estrogen, whereas they're the estrogen swings, whereas progesterone is the anxiety, it's the spotting, it's the cramping. Um, I also get hungry then. So this is, it's like the body knows. I can fast really well in that front half. I could go all the way till dinner, no problem. But when I know my body needs progesterone, it'll be eight o'clock in the morning and I'm famished. And I just, and then I'll just take a note because it's, you know, it's the period, my period's coming and going. I'm like, hmm, I think I might need some more progesterone. So let me fast less. Let me lean into those foods that I just talked about. Okay. Wow. And then what about the woman after 55? Yeah. So she, uh, she's awesome. She can fast whenever she wants, just like a man, a man can fast whenever they want. You can go okay. into long fast. You, you, you know, again, the woman over 55 or postmenopausal really needs to mind insulin and make sure she's insulin sensitive. There is one exception. She needs to throw a progesterone building day in at least once a week. So okay. if she's fasting a lot during the week, let's say six days out of the week, she's doing low carb, she's rocking it with her workouts, she's like, you know, keeping that insulin really sensitive one day a week, she needs to not fast, eat the foods I just talked about and do yoga, like she still has to mind progesterone because progesterone is doing this, it's just going to keep going down, 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 down. And we don't want to completely lose sight of, of progesterone. But if, if you asked me, um, I'm postmenopausal and I want to try a 24-hour fast, when should I do it? Whenever you want would be the answer. Okay. If, if you're 45 and asking me that question, I would say any, anytime's fine, just not the week before your cycle. That's amazing. Wow. Thank you so much for breaking it down. What I really appreciate is I do not at all feel like you've come in and said, 
this is the way to be everyone or else. Like, I definitely feel confident in this because, you know, you've shared the, the scientific evidence. And I think the logical way you explained around how the body naturally works over the phases of our cycle, it's just, it's so logical. And I think because I've lived it in my own evolution, it, it really makes sense because I'm also seeing the, the benefits as well. And I'm thrilled that you know, my listeners can, can hear your great expertise. So tell us about how you're building this community. I shouldn't say building because you've built, but you can mm-hmm. always expand this community um, to help each uh, so that they can all help each other through fasting. So tell us about that. Yeah. You know, it's funny because I, I when I started to teach fasting on my social media platforms, um, I didn't realize some, A, so many people were interested in it, and B, how many people needed help through it. And the one thing that I know to be true in, in life is that the human body is a self-repairing, intelligent machine piece of machinery. And I never, you know, if you ask me like what I, my plea for women is like, don't give your power away. The power is inside of you. And so I wanted to create something where women didn't tap into fasting and then struggle with it and then read a headline that says women shouldn't fast and then go, okay, that's not for me. I shouldn't do that. And so we came up with something called a fast training week where once a month on all of our free platforms, we teach men and women, but we've definitely got more women than men, how to use different principles of fasting. And then that became so popular that we actually then had to move people into more of a closed membership group to try to get them people to, uh, to be able to answer everybody's questions. Okay. So like, we've got, you know, hundreds of thousands of people that fast with me once a month. It's hard to get to everybody's question. Of course. Whereas in my membership group, we've got 1500 people and we can, we do, we work out together. We have really cool once a week, we have zoom calls, we answer questions and that has been helpful for, to help customize this. Cause again, this is, this is a unique process for every person, but especially every woman. So we wanted to create um, areas where women could get questions answered. Okay. That makes sense. And tell us, um, you've already alluded to your great book. Now tell us what else we should know about it, what you want the listeners to hear. Oh, about my book? Yes. Um, Well, okay. So my book is actually a gift to my audience because they asked me to write it. So I wasn't planning on writing another book, but I said one day, this is like two years ago, I said something on a YouTube video. I said, okay, I feel like I should write down everything I did in my menopause journey for you guys holy cow, like hundreds of comments came <laughs> rushing in. And so I was like, okay, okay. But you know, the thing about a woman going through menopause is we, we don't have a lot of time. Sometimes we don't have a lot of focus. So I was like, I'm going to just put exactly what a woman needs to do in a very concise, easy to read. Like I want a woman to pick it up, read it in a day or two, and then go, oh, I know what I need to do. So that's what the book is about. And it's my journey. I tell my story of how I came to this whole thing. And then I just lay it out in hopefully what is a very simple and easy thing to read that now and each chapter, each step, I give steps. So the other thing I don't want is women to go, well, that sounds great. Like you can fast, but I can't. So I give women steps, start here, then do this, then do this. And yeah, I'm really excited about it. And it is really my gift to my following because they asked for it. And they're now, now the women under 40 are asking me for another book. So I have a 
a whole book for women who are cycling that's at the editors now that will Ooh. come out next year. Yeah. Oh my, it'll be 2022 then? Yeah, 2022. Okay, yeah. it takes that long from when it's with the editor? Oh my God, the publish, it's like, it's all, it'll be the whole <laughs> manuscript and the cover, everything's done at the end of this month. But the publishing world is like, uh, like riding a dinosaur. Like, they're just so oh, slow. So ladies, you have to just wait. So read this book next. Yeah. We're, we're, yeah. And we're teaching it in my academy. Again, we're trying to create, um, I, you know, my, my heart is heavy for women. I really resonated with what you said when you opened up this po- interview is like, we're getting the short end of the healthcare stick. And we need to a start to understand what we can do for ourselves. And one of the things about fasting that I love is that you can be the busiest CEO and you can fast and you can be, you know, the poorest person and you can fast. You don't need time. You don't need money. And so, uh, you know, until that book comes out, come join us in the Academy because I'm teaching all different levels of fasting there. Okay. No, that's great to know. And thank you for writing a book that's easy to digest and for just really taking into account people's, you know, crazy busy lives. And, you know, we need tools that can help us and not feel overwhelming. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, so thank you yeah. so much for using your wisdom and for building mm, such community you. around your work and you. um, just for everything that you're doing. So last question I always like to end with is what is your greatest hope for women's health? Oh, I, that is very clear. I want women to believe in their health again. I want this. We were born with superpowers. Like we are insanely talented in so many different ways. And when we look right now at the crisis, the healthcare crisis that we are in, it is going to be women that is going to lead us out of this. And we're going to lead it out by saying enough I don't give me another prescription unless you, unless I'm going to die, you know, no more prescriptions, no more needless surgeries. I'm going to start by learning nutrition. I'm going to learn how to take care of my microbiome. I'm going to learn about lifestyle. I'm going to stop rushing. I'm going to take insane care of my health so I can step into my power. And I want women to feel that. I want women to understand how incredible it can be to live in a woman's body. And so many women are walking around in bodies they hate. And they're looking at themselves in the mirrors, judging the way they look. And that is not how we were designed to be. We were designed to not only thrive, have amazing energy, be the weight we want to be, shine, and then turn around and bring our brilliance to the rest of the world. And that is what I want women to understand. 